Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Barry Cold Lasagna Podcast. I'm your host, Dill Lasagna. Welcome to the place for all those filthy casual takes on the world of sports. And in this episode, episode number 168 of this icy yet spicy sports podcast, we're here to talk about a WWE pay-per-view, the World Wrestling Entertainment pay-per-view that took place this past Saturday, or as the hip kids like to say it, premium live event. Those PLEs, pal. So anyway, there was a pay-per-view that took place this past Saturday, uh, November 4th, 2023, in the country of Saudi Arabia, the city of Riyadh, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you may have watched it in the afternoon, or in the case of where I am, in the morning at 10 a.m. And that event was none other than Crown Jewel, the 2023 edition of WWE Crown Jewel. Interesting fact um, about this pay-per-view is that they've done 10 of these, 10 overall Saudi Arabia events over there. And it's been five years since they started this relationship with that country. 2018. Time goes by really fast, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I, I, I swear. It's like, really? 2018? It's been that fast? Man. But anyway, we're going to talk about a pay-per-view that, that happened, and that was Crown Jewel in this episode, and give you all my thoughts about what happened, my opinions on all these matches. There are about eight of them, I believe. And yeah, after this, we're like literally on the verge of another pay-per-view that's come up, and we'll talk about that as well. So before we get started um, in this review of Crown Jewel, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping because, you know, I haven't done a podcast-style um, anything with very cold lasagna in about a month or so. So for all my audio listeners out there, I know we have a lot of catching up to do. So that being said, let's get into some housekeeping. So make sure you follow the show. Follow very cold lasagna on social media on X. Yes. It's not Twitter anymore, unfortunately. And Instagram at very cold lasagna. And if you're listening to audio, especially for my audio only listeners out there, make sure you rate and review the show. Give it a, one to five star review, you know, anything helps uh, for that matter. And make sure if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like the video, leave a comment, smash the subscribe button, share this with your friends, share this with the stranger, share this with just about anybody so that they could spread the word about this icy yet spicy podcast that is called Very Cold Lasagna. But make sure that they don't eat that uh, physical Very Cold Lasagna. Sometimes it gets moldy, okay? All right, cool. And then, you know, in regards to all the NFL content that's out there exclusively on the YouTube channel, you know, make sure you check that out too. Even if you're not a, a football guy, you know, I give some of my crazy, filthy casual takes on like the games that are coming up this, uh, on the coming week or in my recap of them as well. Um, I give some very un- unusual, odd, odd takes on, on, on all the teams in the NFL. And then, you know, I wish I would do it in a podcast style uh, format too, but there's just so little time in in my life right now. It's just like, can't do it. I can't do it. So speaking of life, you know, <laughs> it's it, it's a kind of a good time for me to watch this pay-per-view, um, especially, you know, as a, and mainly during this time of the year when I'm more so focused on the NFL that the, the bye week or as the non-sports fans just call it a vacation from something. Yeah, my my team, the San Francisco 49ers, are on a bye week or a vacation from whatever they're doing. A vacation from action. So no game, no football game for them this week. And it, it was a good time for a WWE pay-per-view 
to happen. Not that I had any expectations for this pay-per-view, but still, nonetheless, a good time to catch a WWE pay-per-view because, well, it just happened to be around the corner. So now, let's get into this actual pay-per-view, shall we? Crown Jewel 2023, taking place at the Mohammed Abdu Arena in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Like I said, this is the 10th overall event that WWE is doing in the country of Saudi Arabia in their five, not not their five year, it's their, what is it, 10 year partnership uh, in, that they put together since 2018. But like I said, it's kind of crazy that they started this thing back in 2018 and it's already been five years. Like, wow. Time does buy, fly by really fast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the other interesting note that I uh, that happened to show up during this event was that the ring announcer, you know, the, the usual ring announcer happens to be, um, you know, either Greg Hamilton or Mike Rome, um, you know, the regular dude TV announcers. So they, neither, uh, neither of them were there. I mean, Greg Hamilton's gone, but Mike Rome was noticeably absent. So instead, the ring announcing duties were handled by some, some of you may know him. Some of you may uh, notice him, make fun of him, whatnot. But the ring announcing duties were actually handled by Byron Saxton. Byron Saxton was recently a uh, commentator for Raw and SmackDown, but now he handles the backstage duties, uh, interviewing duties. But Byron Saxton was doing the ring announcing for this show um, because, well, Mike Rome, who does the SmackDown ring announcing, he's on vacation currently. And then Samantha Irvin who does uh, Monday Night Raw, uh, she was assigned to do the house show circuit that's going on back here in the United States. So, Byron Saxon, um, everyone was really impressed by how he did, considering that he actually has had experience doing ring announcing for like NXT house shows, NXT TV, uh, regular, uh, regular main roster house shows. I mean... I guess they didn't see him in a prime time presence, like on a pay-per-view. I mean, I was impressed, certainly. But yeah, he's certainly brought that experience with him to a big stage. So good, good, very good job by him. I, I was I was impressed, just like everybody else. So now let's get into the actual match card itself. So we had about, I say, seven to eight matches, I said, during this show. And we kicked things off with what feels like forever. A pre-show match. Like, when was the last time you had a pre-show match on a pay-per-view? Like, I can't recall the... Oh, I think it was, like, 2021 when we last had a pre-show match. Extreme Rules uh, 2021 with Liv Morgan and Carmella. Damn. Feels like a a long-ass time ago since we had a pre-show match. So, literally two years ago, we had a pre-show match. So this pre-show match involved Sami Zayn taking on JD McDonough, or as we like to call him here, JD McDonuts, or my new name for him is JD McDonald's. Yeah, that's what we're calling him now. JD McDonald's, uh, go get me some McNuggets, JD McDonald's. So this this story is basically centered around Sami Zayn and his never-ending feud with the Judgment Day, or as I like to call them, the Judgment Lane, because I I have a resenting hatred a resenting hatred for how this group is booked and how this group is presented they are charisma vacuums i mean not not necessarily real I, I don't maybe maybe Rhea ripley is one sometimes but the judgment lame 
the rest of them, and I guess maybe not not so much Dominic Mysterio, maybe, but the Judgment Lame, they are channel changers. They are garbage. They are trying to so hard to make them like the Bloodline, except they suck. They are so lame. They they make me cringe hella hard. Like, what is their story? Like, they don't have one. Okay. But yet, they're in this never-ending loop. They're in Groundhog Day loop with Sami Zayn since the the end of WrestleMania. Since post-WrestleMania, they've been feuding with Sami Zayn and his friends. And it's been going even when Kevin Owens got traded to SmackDown for Jey Uso, who got traded to Raw, thanks to Cody. But there we are. Sami Zayn, even if he's alone, he's going to continue fighting the group until they disbanded and that included their butt buddy jd mcdonut um who unfortunately still trying to get into the group jd mcdonut who i think he was introduced back in the summer and yet here we are months later he is still trying to audition for the group (laughs) when are they gonna do it eventually it's like are they trying to they're literally trying to rip off the bloodline like Sami Zayn. You know, he had that whole honorary ooze thing that started last year at WrestleMania and then dragged all the way to, uh, I think it was like, uh, Survivor Series, when then he became an official member of the Bloodline. And then now they're doing it again with the, the Judgment Day with JD McDonut. And then they're just buying time until JD McDonut becomes an official member of the Judgment. Like, really? That's what we're doing here? Oh my God. They, they really are retreading the whole Bloodline stuff. Like, come on big nose triple big nose can you come up with anything original so for the match itself i mean i didn't have any expectations for it i mean it's their typical monday night raw match that you've seen from Sami Zayn in the judgment day but i mean Sami Zayn did get a big pop like he did back in night of champions you know it is is more of the same so Sami Zayn won with the haluva kick blue thunder bomb combo um, that JD that sent JD back to McDonald's. So it is what it is. That was pretty much a pre-show match. So now we get into the main card, um, which opened up with the World Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins defending his title against Drew McIntyre. Your story of this match had Seth retaining his title at Fastlane at Shins- against Shinsuke Nakamura in the last man standing match, which I heavily disagreed with, um, be- mainly because uh, well, you had Seth. In a bad situation with his bad back. They're still playing off that story with the bad back, by the way. And yet, you didn't have Damian Priest come out and cash in that damn Money in the Bank briefcase with Seth in a very prone position. And Seth didn't even sell the back injury and the celebration. I'm like, what are we doing here? Well, anyway, that's besides the case. So Drew McIntyre came out on the next uh, Monday Night Raw and challenged him for the World Heavyweight title. But he wants him at 100%. So that was pretty much your basis of this match. But they did do a nice video package um, trying to sell Drew that, you know, he he needs this uh, match. He needs the validation of the being the World Heavyweight Champion because, you know, he's still seeking that true moment of being a world champion because, you know, interestingly enough, for those of you that still don't know, his first WWE title win um, back at WrestleMania 36 came at the time during the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, when he beat Brock Lesnar... That was in the Performance Center, unfortunately. And then ever since then, his last two major title matches, the one against Bobby Lashley the following year, he fell short. 
And then the, the next year, at Clash of the Castle in his home country against Roman Reigns, he fell short because of Solo Sokoa. Ouch. Just ouch, man. And that, that, you know, going into that match, you know, man, I really want Drew to win now. I really, I really want the Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre to get that belt. Like, I really want Triple H to do it, to pull the trigger on it. So for this match, you know, Drew McIntyre pretty much dominated more than half of this match. He pretty much hit just every move on step. He was throwing him around in the ring with the belly-to-belly suplexes, hitting him with the claymore, but Rollins would just keep kicking out every single time, just like a stubborn man. Um, Rollins would have some occasional offense here and there, but um, they were still playing on the bad back um, that carried over from his Shinsuke feud. Like Drew McIntyre drove steps back on the steel steps, and then he did a sidewalk slam on the ring apron, and then Seth was like, oh, oh he, he he's playing the Peter Parker uh, once again, he's like, my back, oh my back. So basically, he's doing that. So, uh, more than halfway through this match, uh, Rollins countered a claymore kick from Drew McIntyre into a curb stomp. McIntyre kicks out. McIntyre avoided the Phoenix Splash. Then he hit a claymore, but then Seth Rollins kicks out. Honestly, that should have ended the match right there. <laughs> it's like you hit a claymore kick out of nowhere after Rollins does that kind of move. Yeah, you should have uh, won that match there. So, Drew McIntyre is clearly frustrated. Um, he he's just like, man, I just hit, I just dominated a good part of this match. Like, how is Seth Rollins still alive? Nose man booking? I don't know. So Seth, uh, Drew McIntyre's pissed. So he goes for the kill. Uh, he doesn't do the countdown uh, like usual, like three, two, one, like he did earlier. Uh, he tried to go for the kill. Seth countered into a super kick. But that didn't deter McIntyre for trying to go for the claymore again. But he got a little too eager on the second attempt. Rollins used the pedigree curb stomp counter uh, combo and retained the title. So this was honestly a very uh, a very solid opening match. But honestly, I feel like Drew McIntyre should have won. I feel like Drew McIntyre should have won this match. Considering how much he dominated so much of that match. Uh, focused on Seth's bad back. And... If he really wanted to pull a heel turn on Drew McIntyre, then him bulldozing through Seth with that back injury would have made Drew a threatening champion. Or at least, you know, what try to do something after where, you know, Drew's all pissed, and then he finally snaps. He finally snaps on Seth, and then, considering what happened next, then Drew, Drew would have been a threatening heel to take that title later on. Because what happened next... Well, it was just all sorts of weird because Seth's night wasn't over quite yet because Damien Priest came out, the Judgment Day's music hit, and he was ready to cash in once more. But unfortunately, Damien Priest didn't get a chance to cash in because Sami Zayn stole Damien Priest's Money in the Bank briefcase. So, yeah, another tease towards uh, Survivor Series, which is now going to be official for War Games, so... There you go. That's official now. But at some point, though, they're going to have to finally pull the trigger on Damian Priest's cash-in. It's like, <laughs> like, they had multiple opportunities here to to do this cash-in for Damian Priest. It's like, when are you going to do it? Like, when are you going to have Damian Priest cash in this thing? I, I felt like the, the best opportunity to at least make Damian Priest the champion, even if it's a transitional one, until like let's say the Royal Rumble 
was Fastlane. That was the best opportunity to have Damian Priest be the world champion for at least a little bit of time. You know, even if we had to suffer through two more months of the Judgment Lane, being all, oh, the Judgment Day runs raw with all stripped in gold. You know, at least it would have made sense. At least it would have made sense for Damian Priest to cash in at the most opportune time where Seth was just brutally being uh, by Shinsuke Nakamura with that bad back. I don't know why they didn't do it. I don't know why they didn't do it there. Because now, you're still wondering, when is Damian Priest going to cash in? When is, when is he going to cash in that briefcase? Because I, I don't know where I see an opportunity to do it. War games? War games if Seth's in that match, too? Or, I don't know. It's like, you're running out of chances to do this thing. So, they got to stop beating the horse around it. And they don't, they, they better not do a damn Big E where they just cash it in on a ram, random Monday night, um, be, whether it's successful or not, just to try to pull some ratings away from Monday Night Football. So then you had the Women's World Champion, Rhea Ripley, defend her title in a fatal five-way match. And, ugh, man, this match is like, ugh, God. Uh, anyway, Women's World Champion, Rhea Ripley, defending her title against Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Stark, and Raquel Rodriguez. Raquel Rodriguez is cool, though. <laughs> um, so basically, this match was set up uh, because Rhea and Raquel, who had been feuding since, you know, Liv Morgan got hurt. Um, Rhea and Raquel, they've been feuding since the summer. Uh, Rhea beat Raquel in their first match at Payback, and they were having a rematch during the the Bills and Jets game on Monday night um, in, the, in the season opener. And during that match, Nia Jax made her return and cost Raquel the match. But she also attacked Rhea afterwards. And then, and when they when Nia Jax took both of them out, she also uh, took out Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark out of commission as well so when all four of them made their returns they went after Nia and they also went after each other so Rhea Ripley got all pissy they she went to Adam Pierce and she was like you better do something about this Adam and then Adam did exactly did something she booked Rhea Ripley for a fatal five-way title match at Crown Jewel against all of them so basically most of the Raw Women's Division so I mean, this match was uh, nothing special. It was whatever. Rhea got a special entrance uh, with a bunch of Saudi men uh, lying up with cups. I don't know if it is voodoo. Apparently, it's like some kind of tradition. Um, but, I mean, you guys can fill me in on that in the comments. But, I don't know. Anyway, she got a special entrance. Um, I did notice, like, before that, Raquel Rodriguez tried to do the back flexing. The big show off her big back. But, you know, you're covered up with the red suit. I was like, oh, Raquel. <laughs> Raquel, it's not going to work over there. I mean, I like, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of cool, but your big back gimmick's not going to work over there. So anyway, um, Michael Cole and Wade Barrett were talking about how women's wrestling was booming with the success that I was having in the last two months. And it's like, yeah, are we sure about that? Are we sure about that? But, no, you know, cool for them, I guess. Um, but this match, you know, it was not nothing special. It, you know what was going to happen. But it, it did have some nice little mo moments here and there. Like, I did like the spot where Shayna Baszler had Rhea Ripley, Raquel, and Nia all locked in a submission hold by Shayna. 
herself all at once. Like she had Rhea and Raquel in like in a ankle lock at the same time, and she put Nia in the cure feudal clutch. That was kind of that was pretty cool. I'll, I'll give her that. Um, but then they also did the typical let's get in the corner, do the Tower of Doom spot, the, like the superplex, you know, the tower, the Tower of Terror, whatever it's called, in the corner. That's exactly what they did. But then Raquel did a crazy ass spot where she lifted big ass Nia for a big ass Dehana bomb, her finisher. But in the end, Rhea overcame all the odds, the 20% odds, pal, for uh, as she lifted up Zoe, uh, Zoe Stark for a super riptide, her finisher. And this is when Raquel Rodriguez was going for the for the pin. She was going for the win. Um, <laughs> Rhea hit the rip the super riptide on, on Zoe when and the impact landed on Raquel. So I don't know why Raquel was you know going for the pin there when she knew. That Rhea was going to hit that damn thing. But nonetheless, Rhea retains her title against basically most of the Raw Women's Division now. And yeah, it, it, it was, it was, eh. This match was, eh. I mean, aside from those moments, it's like, it was very, it was slow. It was plotting. Um, messy at times, but I mean, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't all that bad. Because, I don't know, a lot of times they just did not click with one another. I mean, Zoe and Shayna had their moments, but, I don't know. It, it, it was asking a lot. It was really asking a lot from all five women. And, you know, it's a problem. It's a problem when you have uh, three three heavyweights uh, that, are, that you know, they're not necessarily limited, but it's just like, the, the people just don't really care all that much. And two ballers that are a- athletic... But that aren't exactly attaining either, and people don't care about them either. So, yeah, Rhea retains her, uh, not her woman's title, her women's world championship against, well, most of the the entire Raw Women's division. So, yeah, what do you do with her now? What do you do with Rhea Ripley now? She's basically, like, in her entire reign. Like, can you even call it a reign now? Because, like, she hasn't really done a whole lot in that reign. Her reign has basically become a Roman Reigns reign now. Because in this whole Rhea Ripley reign as the Women's World Champion that started back at WrestleMania, she's basically defended against Natalia, Zelina Vega, and then that was like the start of her reign. And then you had a long gap where she would like defend the title. Uh, it would take like months for her to defend the title against Raquel and then Raquel again, and then get to this point with the Fatal Five Way. It's like that's bad. That is really bad. So th- that that title is basically a prop. That title is basically a prop. She is basically becoming female Roman. She's basically becoming female Roman. Um, it's not. Uh, I don't know. That's necessarily her fault. Some of it is, but it's mainly on the booking. It's mainly on the booking, and. You know, <laughs> the rest of the women's division is sucks. I mean, Zia Lee, not a contender. Candice Ray, not a contender. Any Hartwell, nobody cares about. Uh, Natalia, I mean, she's put over one too many people, but she's still eh. And now you got this whole match with Raquel, Naya, Shayna, Zoe. Rhea beat them all, <laughs> and. None of that, well, I mean, other than Naya, maybe Naya, 
she can have a case for one more match because she wasn't necessarily involved in the finish, but everyone else, they don't have a compelling case for a rematch um, in the in the immediate future. So other than, yeah, Nia Jax uh, can have an, a compelling argument that's like, oh, I wasn't involved in the, oh, I wasn't involved in the finish. And I know a lot of people hate <laughs> Nia Jax in a one-on-one match with Rhea Ripley. The internet would go on fire. They would, they would cancel their Peacock subscription. But I, I expect at least that match to happen um, in, in the immediate future. Probably at Survivor Series. But the real question turns to what does Rhea do next with that title? Probably after that probable Nia Jax match. Because, you know, like I said, she's basically being all the competition in one entire match. That And the, the other half of that Rollins division, they're not getting an inch towards that title like ever i'm sorry ever at the same time though like once you get closer to post survivor series triple h has to make a decision and that decision is going to dictate ria's title run uh for the next six months ria's direction more importantly towards wrestlemania because what that direction he takes is gonna be, is gonna be one that, will regardless, cause people to get pissed about. So, you gotta choose wisely, man. You gotta choose wisely, Triple H. You better make the right decision. Do you start the big major feud everyone wants at WrestleMania between Rhea Ripley and the orange-haired man, or do you hope that the second option? In Miss Watch Me is fully healthy and ready to go for a potential Royal Rumble feud after Survivor Series? Or do you really hope to hold that off until WrestleMania when the time is right? I don't know, just saying. I'm just saying. You have to think about it, Triple H. You will have to think about it because, either way, like I said, that direction that he takes. Presents risks, whatever direction, whether it's the man or Miss Watch Me, whatever direction he takes with Rhea Ripley is going to have risks. And regardless of what it is, it's going to leave a one half portion unhappy and the other half, whatever. It's going to be a portion of fans unhappy. So Triple H has to choose very wisely. He has to really think about this long and hard. I imagine they jumpstart that feud for Rhea after Survivor Series. That real major feud in this in this title run that has gone past its expiry date, in my opinion. So next up, we had John Cena versus Solo Sokoa. Cena, you know, he returned back in September before, just before payback, but he's been involved in some bloodline business, and that bloodline business included Solo Sokoa, and things came to a head. Where he teamed up with LA Knight to beat Jimmy, Jimmy Uso and Solo back at Fastlane. And weeks later, uh, Cena got into a bit of a scuffle with Solo when Cena was like, you know, I haven't won a match in over 2,000 days, which I think equates to like five years. So <laughs> pretty long time, big match, John. So they, they, they fought. Cena fended him off. And they announced the match between the two at Crown Jewel. But... Two weeks prior, 
Solo took away Cena's voice, which Paul Heyman described as the reason for why Cena still was doing WWE with the Samoan Spike. So that was your basis for this match. And and this match was, you know, it was it was pretty it was very it was very solid, but you know, kind of slow at times, but at least you know, they tried they, Cena and Solo did something with it. You know, Cena was going for that that hand that Solo uses for the Samoan spike, and you know, it actually f- affected uh Solo. Um we'll we'll get there when we get there though. But then from there, after Cena got the early offense in, it was it was pretty much the Solo Sokoa show. He dominated a lot of this match. And he pretty much kept trying to go for that Samoan spike, but Cena kept countering each time and having some very brief offense before Solo, you know, retook control. So you also had this one point where Cena, in desperation, hit a rock bottom uh, to counter uh, another one of Solo's Samoan spike attempts, but Solo kicked out uh, midway through the match. Uh, Cena tried to go for an, uh, like, uh, one of his shoulder uh, shoulder blocks or a clothesline out of nowhere, but then where it seemed like Cena was gonna try for that rally, Solo someone spiked him out of nowhere on the run, and that led to this dominating, just merciless finish. That's all. Solo gives Cena the Samoan spike several times. He was just like spiking and spiking and spiking, like he's just trying to massacre my boy. <laughs> and then he gave him one last spike. And he won. Like, damn. <laughs> he just brutalized John Cena. Like, we haven't seen something like that in, since Cena got beaten by Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam 2014. So, Solo, you know, he needs to show his value in this match against John Cena. And he definitely did that. He dominated and brutalized any ounce of offense that John Cena had. And, you know, credit to Cena. He put him over. Um, as such, and you know, unlike that match with Austin Theory back in Mania, made Solo look pretty, pretty dominant in this win. But now it's up to Triple H to capitalize and expand on Solo even more if he wants to propel him up to the top. So Roman, you better watch your back, man. You better watch your back because Solo just got a big major win that hopefully they capitalize on because if he's gonna be the one to unseat the Tribal Chief. And if it's not Cody, then Roman better watch his back. Now, as for Cena, uh, he got a standing ovation, and he was slowly walking to the back. And this this probably means that his his current run with WWE is over, which is unfortunate. I was I was kind of I was enjoying it, but you know we, we don't know if he's gonna be coming back for WrestleMania season. I hope he does because I still want to see um, one more match. At WrestleMania with 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 Cena, because you know you don't know if he's ever gonna come back um, with this Hollywood uh, yeah Hollywood uh, obligations, you know the strike and all that when when that potentially is gonna end. So you don't know. We we have to appreciate John Cena's time while he's still here um, in WWE. So if he is able to come back for WrestleMania, we need to have that match. We need to have that match, not a match with. And up a cover, and that not a match with Cody Rhodes. No, that match, that match where hashtag this time it counts. John Cena versus the guy that's always in his head, 
with his damn voices. Randy Orton! Where will it work for me, brother? <laughs> Especially in the place where there is no love lost. Philadelphia. One last time where it really counts. <laughs> Make it happen. Make it happen, Triple H. Make the biggest match possible between these two happen. So then we get a missed TV segment with uh, some Saudi Arabian comedian named Abriam Al-Hajij. I can't pronounce that name, so I'm sorry. So he came out, and before the Miz could get a question in, a Grayson Waller takeover went into effect. So Grayson Waller came out, and Waller, you know, he pulled in some insults on him, and he attacked him after a back and forth. But the Miz and Hajaj uh, retaliated with a little double-team action, and then pretty much Hajaj came came out and it and capped it off with a people's elbow. So that was pretty much that. So then after that, we had the United States champion Rey Mysterio defending his title against Logan Paul. There wasn't really much of a build towards this match because Logan Paul was just fresh off a boxing match with some guy named Dylan Danis um, just a week prior before Logan Paul came to SmackDown. So Logan Paul called out Rey Mysterio after that boxing match, whom he challenged for the United States championship on that next week's SmackDown. So, Rey Mysterio accepted the challenge, and then, yeah, there wasn't really much of a build af um, after that. They had a weigh-in, but then that was pretty much it. So, Paul mentioned that he already defeated Rey Mysterio back at Logan Paul's first ever WrestleMania match, which was last year at WrestleMania 38. In that tag team match, which also involved The Miz, Logan's tag team partner, against Rey's, I guess, uh, what do you call it? Uh, estranged son. There you go. Estranged son. Now estranged son. Dominic. So there you go. Paul giving us a little history lesson there. So this match, you know, at times it was sloppy, especially in the middle portion, but then it really picked back up. I say sloppy because, you know, early on it was fine. Logan dominated a good portion of that match. And then Ray, you know, had his comeback. Um, and it was pretty much, you know, an even fight to who can get the advantage but then when you get to that middle part um logan was you know kind of sloppy at, um at, at times he almost botched the buckshot lariat like you know landing on his knees uh, landing on his legs with the um the impact from like you know flipping uh front flipping from the to the ring he, his knees buckled and i was kind of worried like dude hope your knees didn't give out <laughs> So he but he almost botched the buckshot lariat because um his knees his, knee, his knees buckled and then there was a spot where Rey Mysterio didn't like finish the the backflip um so he pretty much botched a springboard moonsault and he almost landed on his head too so Logan Paul had to like catch him and then he had to adjust his original counter into a power slam so, so uh, it was kind of a little messy in the middle but they managed to. Uh, put it together. Um, and they bounced back for a, a... I thought it was a fun finish. So, Rey Mysterio, you know, hits a sunset bomb on Logan Paul for a near fall. But then you have Logan Paul crawling to the corner to get some brass knuckles. Uh, from the, I think it's the same guy that Logan that he got help from Logan Paul to beat Ricochet at SummerSlam. So, Logan Paul is about to use the brass knuckles, but it gets knocked out by Rey Mysterio. And... The impulsive guy, the, the crew member, tries to get it back. 
But then you have Santos Escobar showing up out of nowhere. He stops him from doing it. But then when he before he chases away the impulsive crew member, he places he places the brass knucks on back on the ring apron. Now some people were saying like is Santos stupid or something? But then when I think about it is that I think Santos Escobar had some purpose. He had some purpose in putting back the brass knucks uh, right there on the ring apron. So let's talk about the finish first because when Ray hit the 619 on Logan Paul, but then before he can hit, I think he was trying to go for the West Coast pop, which we haven't seen in quite some time. Before he could hit the West Coast pop, Logan took out Ray Mysterio uh, with the brass knuckles that he took and hit him midair and knocked him out and he won the U.S. title. There you go. Logan Paul is your social media mega U.S. champion. People are pissed, but hey, at least gets WWE them views. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this match was... I, I thought this match picked up at the, the back half of it. I mean, yeah, messy at times, but I thought they bounced back at the end. So I thought it was a... I thought it was a good match. Not a great match. Not a very good one, but they they... They really bounced back at the end, um, especially you know, especially considering its ending, because it set up two things for the future. You you're gonna eventually set up towards Rey Mysterio versus Santos Escobar, but you also have to consider what's gonna happen with the the rest of the LWO, especially considering that Carlito's still there. He he just came back a month ago, so how do you factor him in? So Santos, you know, it seemed like he tried to help Rey retain, but he actually, like I said, he he left the Brax Nux. On the ring apron, I don't know if that was intentional for Logan to use, or maybe just stupid or something. But I think it's the former. He left those brass knucks for Logan Paul to use, which is going to be the catalyst for Santos to turn heel. Rey Mysterio is going to question the hell out of Santos Escobar to do that. Uh, why on why he did that? So second thing is for Logan Paul, he finally gets his first WWE title. Um, it's not the WWE Championship like the actual one that Roman has, but he gets the United States Championship as a consolation. Um, ironically, a little over a year after he had his first championship match against Roman Reigns. So there you go. A little uh, history for you there. So the problem is now, um, I know people are complaining about this already, is that we have another potential part-time champion in WWE. You know, you know, Logan Paul is a busy guy with this YouTube uh, YouTube channel his, his any drink business, his boxing career. But the thing with Logan Paul is that, you know, we can rag on him all we want as a person and all that. But for Logan Paul, you know, every time he's in the WWE, he he brings his A game. Um, this match, you know, probably his worst, it, it, not the best of the bunch, but he brings in the views. He brings in his brand. He brings in, like, the social media numbers that WWE has. So I can't really complain. Um, for Logan Paul as the WWE guy, as the WWE wrestler. So I, I virtually have no complaints. I just hope, you know, that Logan Paul does show up more because if he doesn't, then we have a problem here. We definitely do have a problem here because if Logan Paul is a part-time champion, more or less a less than part-time champion, then basically you have no champions on SmackDown because you're, you have Roman Reigns and now that you have Logan Paul as US champion, and they're both part-time, that's a serious problem. 
And you're really going to have to rely on your roster to fill up airtime. And your roster is not uh, constructed to be good as it is. But at least for Logan Paul, hopefully this this leads to a setup for, um, you know, he defends the title, um, retains hopefully um, against those challengers, probably Kevin Owens, Ricochet, somebody else, maybe Carlito, and then a rematch with Rey Mysterio. I imagine a rematch with Rey Mysterio at Survivor Series is going to happen before uh, another match with Ricochet. But the more important rematch that's going to be set up eventually is a major WrestleMania match in April with a certain megastar that will have everybody saying, yeah, but more on that in a bit. So now let's get into our next matchup of this Crown Jewel event. And that was the WWE Women's Champion, Io Sky, taking on Bianca Belair in the rematch from their Backlash match back in May. This rivalry restarted because Bianca Belair, she won the, the women's title back at SummerSlam. But immediately after that match, Io Sky cashed in her Money in the Bank contract that she had at the time and defeated Bianca to win the title. So two weeks later, Io Sky and Bailey, the the group that is damage control, they took Bel Air off TV by injuring, I say injuring in air quotes because it wasn't real, a real injury. Uh, they injured Bel Air's knee in a backstage attack. They wrote her off TV for like two months. And then here we are in October, uh, in October a couple weeks ago, Bianca returned after Io Sky's title match with Charlotte. And then Bianca talked with the new general manager, uh, Nick Aldis, and got a title match. She basically went up to Nick Aldis and says, hey, give me a title match, bitch. <laughs> That's not what she said. Uh, but yeah, she basically asked Nick Aldis for a title match and Nick Aldis gave it to her. So yeah, that's your basic setup. But this match was so boring. Like, And, you know, I can't blame the crowd for like not being heavily invested in it. It's like, why, why are we still blaming the crowd for like boring ass matches? It's like, if... You're going to present this boring-ass match. Why give the crowd a reason to care for it? You can't force them to be invested to this. You got to give them a reason to care. And EO and Bianca didn't do the job. They, they just did, simply did not do the job. Because this match, um, be it Bianca and EO's overselling or the big return that was supposed to happen, they just simply did not care. So, as for this match, you know, Io tried to go after Bianca's previously injured knee. She did, but then Bianca, like, pretty much no-sold it um, right um, later on in the match because she was pretty much dominating Io. Um, and then late, much later on in the match, you had Bailey show up, even though it seemed like Bailey was not going to be a part of Crown Jewel at all because of the attack of uh, the post-match attack uh, on SmackDown the night prior, even though it was taped. Because Bianca took out Bailey with the KOD through the announce table. So that was rendered useless, I guess. So EO was in control of the, the match after that. And then EO accidentally took out Bailey. Um, she hit her, but then he was just like giving her a blank stare. Maybe it was intentional. I don't know. And then she she got back in the uh she got back in the ring um uh, to get a, try to get a count out uh, win. And then Bianca tried to get back in the ring. But Bailey held her by the feet to distract her. And then Bianca was about to give her another KOD through the announce table, just like on SmackDown the night prior. But from behind, 
a mysterious figure in red and red and black uh, came came from the crowd and attacked Bianca and put uh, slammed her through the ring post face first. And it was revealed to be the pirate princess, the <laughs> the the hardcore wrestling fans fantasy dream. Kyrie Sane. She's so insane. Kyrie Sane is back, ladies and gentlemen. And I, I hate to say it. I hate to be the Debbie Downer, but not a single fuck was given. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm professing this. I mean, I, 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 I kind of dug the the tag team she was in with Oscar, but man, that that return was a big ass wet fart in 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 this match. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. <laughs> it was a big ass wet fart. Like, what what more do you want me to say? About Kyrie Sane's return, maybe it'll be received better when there when she makes her real return on SmackDown when she addresses all this crap. But anyways, Bianca beats the ten count, but Io immediately hits the, her finishing moonsault once she gets back in the ring, and there's her finish. She retains the woman's title. So yeah, I mean the the main thing to take away from this match. Was not the boring match itself, but the story they told at the end, even with the lack of a crowd reaction. I mean, I can't really blame the crowd on this one. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, you told this at you you had Kyrie return at the worst possible time. I mean, it was the right time, but the wrong place. So I, I guess that's just the situation of that. But anyway, um so Kyrie's saying she's back. Uh the crowd, yeah, they didn't really care for it. But the real story was is that I guess EO went into business for herself. So as soon as she saw Kyrie Sane in the ring, she she went in for a hug with Kyrie. And you know, Michael Cole mentioned that he, he was very quick to mention, you know, some of the history. Some of the history uh between Bailey and, and Kyrie. Because, you know, I guess I'll say it. Um Kyrie Sane, you know, she was the one that got taken out by Bailey. She was the one that Bailey um, ran off that kicked her out of WWE back during the pandemic in July of 2020 when Asuka was defending the Raw Women's title. I don't know who. Um, maybe it's against Sasha. Sasha Banks or Mercedes Monet. But anyway, uh, she lost the, Asuka lost the Raw Women's title against Sasha Banks because Bailey was attacking Kyrie Sane backstage and then Asuka went to go back and help her. Um, but yeah, so Kyrie Sane is back. Um, and it'll be interesting, uh, kind of interesting. I mean, I personally, <laughs> not all that, uh, not mainly interested, but at least they're trying to say, tell something. At least they're trying to build, tr- trying to do something with that women's division on SmackDown because they got something going over there, I guess. But it, he's going to have, Triple H is going to make sure Kyrie Sane is going to be the splinter in the eventual and overdue breakup of damage control because yeah, or damage control. Oh man, that Splatoon group. It's been long overdue for a breakup. So I imagine they're probably going to have Kyrie, Kyrie saying, play nice with Bailey, um, at least for this war games matchup, um, that I anticipate it's going to be on the SmackDown side for the woman. But after that, you know, that's where things pick up. The only question is, is like, where does Dakota Kai fit in all this? You know, she's injured. Um, she's not medically cleared yet, but it's like, you know, eventually when she is cleared, 
I mean, I, I don't know when she is, but where does she fit in all this? You guys tell me. So then we have Cody Rhodes taking on Damian Priest, a match I felt should have been on Raw. I don't know why it's here, but I guess you had to have Cody Rhodes on a big pay-per-view because the Saudi Arabia crowd has got to go sing his song. I mean, it's not a bad song, but I just don't know why you have to have Cody Rhodes on this pay-per-view. So anyway, um, Damian Priest challenged Cody to a match at Crown Jewel. Cody accepted it, um, but they, the Judgment Day attacked an injured, you know, air quotes, his ankle, pretty much like Brock Lesnar injuring, in air quotes, Cody's arm during their feud. So, yeah, that was the, basically the basis of this match. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what to say because this match is basically what everything that you've seen during the Judgment Day's matches, whether it's with Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and now Cody Rhodes. It's basically the same formula. Except now you're seeing it on a pay-per-view. It's like, I don't, what more do you need me to say? It's like, the two going back and forth. Um, Cody re-aggravating his ankle injury on a jump counter. Damian taking full control. And then when Cody's trying to go for the kill, Finn Balor and JD McDonald's uh, came at, coming out to distract Cody. And Damian hits his finisher to south of heaven. But then Cody kicks out. And then Finn Balor... He's calling for Dirty Dan, but he's actually Pinhead. Uh, Dirty Dominic Mysterio comes out, who has a steel chair, but then also came out was main event, Jey Uso for a cameo, who used the power of the super kick to take out the entirety of the Judgment Day and chase them away. So Cody would finish off Damian Priest with the signature offense and then hit the trifecta of crossroads to win the match. So, I mean... The story's not necessarily over. I mean, not, not Cody's story, but um, the the feud between the Judgment Lame and the Super Friends um, because they're on one last collision course towards Survivor Series. So there's that. So now we have our main event. The main event that I was kind of looking forward to, but at the same time, like, I already knew what was going to happen, like, regardless but nonetheless, it was the undisputed WWE champion, Roman Reigns, taking on L.A. Knight. Yeah! So, Roman Reigns came back from his annual post-SummerSlam vacation. Yeah, he was literally off for two months, leaving SmackDown in the dust. Unbelievable. But then, when he came back um, after Fastlane, he was met by the fastest rising star on SmackDown. And that was under then L A Knight. Yeah. So Knight during Roman Reigns' time away from uh from WWE from SmackDown, he's been growing in popularity. His popularity has been continuing to grow. And he's been in two major tests uh since Roman was away. He's been in a match with the Miz, with John Cena as the special guest referee. He passed that test, and then he was in a tag team match with John Cena against Jimmy and Solo. He also passed that test. So he's been getting endorsed by John Cena. And his endorsement by Cena was further solidified when Cena endorsed LA Knight as Roman Reigns' next challenger. So that set up this big match, even though I was expecting this match to take place at the Royal Rumble, not here at Crown Jewel. I was expecting more so AJ Styles to face Roman here at Crown Jewel. Like, 
what? It was a little weird how why they did why they did this match instead. But nonetheless. So with this match here, this was a big major test. LA Knight's biggest test yet. The dude just turned 41. Like, I don't know if it's this week or last week, but this dude was facing his biggest test yet. Like the biggest one in the 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 three months that he's been on the rise, dude. So I like LA Knight. He presents a lot of charisma, personality. He could the dude can really go on the mic. I mean, I know people call him knockoff rock, knockoff uh, cosplay Stone Cold Steve Austin, and recycling catchphrases and all that. But the dude can talk on the mic, dude. The, the dude uh, oozes charisma, personality, like a lot of things that a lot of wrestlers, uh, on, whether it's male or female, are really are severely lacking on the main on whether it's the main roster or in NXT. All of wrestling nowadays, LA Knight. He has pretty much like charisma and personality. And the only thing that kind of concerns me is his wrestling, his in-ring work, because some things do scare me about that. So I treated this match for LA Knight like it was a, I don't know, it's kind of a stretch to say WrestleMania main event level match because they were treating Crown Jewel like a WrestleMania because, yes, he could talk the talk. But now the question was whether he could walk the walk against one of the best champions that WWE has had in a long time, if not all time, in Roman Reigns. So, LA Knight got a massive ovation from the Saudi Arabia crowd. They had signs for LA Knight. Um, they had a whole, yeah, section. Roman Reigns got his usual um, his usual grand entrance. Um, I have noticed that it's not as long as it used to be when he was uh, two-belt Roman. So... <laughs> I guess that's an improvement for some of you that keep bitching about our tribal chief. How dare you? <laughs> but anyway, uh, for the match, you know, LA Knight started off hot. His offense was like rapid. He went after the tribal chief, but then Roman slowed things down. He cut off his offense right away. And, you know, he went things at his own pace. And that, and it was basically, you know, Roman having him in a chokehold. For a good amount of time, Roman shit talking to the camera, but then LA Knight uh, eventually countered a corner move to to rally back and get the crowd back into the in, into his game, LA Knight's game, baby. And the crowd was chanting CM Punk at one point. It's like, damn, the crowd was like really something uh, during the show. I mean, I'm not one to blame the crowd um, uh, for certain things, but I mean, yeah, it. I, I can't really blame the crowd for like, you know, not being as excited because that, that energy died like midway through the show. Not not to their blame, of course. But anyway, that's besides the point. So things really picked up when Roman countered the LA Knight elbow into a Superman punch for a near fall. And then LA Knight hit that Pat McAfee superplex uh, where he jumps up onto the top rope. I was so glad that he did not botch that and slip off. Because every time he tries to do that, like I, I fear for him. I fear, really fear for him. He should only be doing that on special occasions, mind you. So he hits that for a near fall. So out brings Solo Sokoa, um, and officials are trying to bring him back backstage. And then here comes from the the crowd Jimmy Uso to help out Roman for the usual bloodline shenanigans. Surprised there's no ref bump. <laughs> 
So Roman hit the spear for a near fall. LA Knight actually kicks out. Roman's like, what the fuck? This dude kicked out of the spear? So Roman's frustrated as all hell. He went to the well. He locks in the guillotine on LA Knight, but he actually uh, fought out of it. LA Knight fights out of it. He hits the blunt force trauma, the BFT. Uh, but just as LA Knight was going to win that damn thing, and honestly, it looked like he won the damn thing because the referee counted the three. And then Jimmy Uso was a tad late. He was a t- I, I'm not. I'm not sure if I was blind looking at that, but it, it looked like Jimmy Uso put Roman's rope, uh, Roman's foot on the rope, a like a half second too late when the ref put his hand on the ro- uh, on the ground for the three count. So I thought it was a tad second too late. LA Knight should have won that the, that WWE title there. Controversy much? Shouldn't shouldn't LA Knight be the undisputed champion right now? Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, Jimmy Uso, you know, he put Roman's foot on the bottom rope. Um, the ref stopped uh, what looked like a three count. I thought, again, I thought it was a three count. But anyway, LA Knight, he beat around both Jimmy and Roman at ringside. Jimmy got put through a table by LA Knight. But in turn, he got speared uh, through the barricade by Roman, uh, who finished the job on LA Knight with another spear back in the ring to retain the undisputed WWE title as the 1,000 plus day reign goes on to the chagrin of a lot of people. I mean, I get it. I, I get why people are really complaining about um, L- uh, Roman's reign continuing because you know I, I kind of see I kind of see it too. I mean, it's one of my it is starting to become one of my criticisms about Roman's title run is that his matches are becoming really repetitive. It's pretty much the same old finish. And I, I really hope, I really wished that they would change up the formula because it's pretty much, you know, Roman gets his offense in and he, he gets his opponents the rally. And then when their opponents are about to finish off uh, Roman Reigns, either there's a ref bump or there's interference or there's both. And then Roman wins. Lol. So that's basically what we got here. And you know, I, I I can't really blame uh for people uh complaining and criticizing uh what we uh what we got here because it, it, nobody knew like it, it's it's very repetitive. It's very it's very very repetitive. At the same time though, it's just like we know we knew LA Knight wasn't gonna win this match. We knew LA Knight had a Point zero 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 zero. However many zeros you want to count, one percent chance to win this match. It would have been nice for WD to pull a shocker and actually have LA Knight win the damn thing, but I think it's too soon. I think it's too soon for LA Knight to win the WWE Championship. Um, he's only been having this rise since I think what WrestleMania, WrestleMania post WrestleMania season. So it would have been too soon. Um, he has to at least have a mid card title, which I think it's it, the, the stage sets up well um, after this. But let me talk about this first because my intention of this match, how I perceived this match for LA Knight, was not about you know him at least trying to win the WWE Championship, but how was he going to do in his first real title match, his first World Championship match, because. 
you know, we see him, like I said, we see him talk to talk. He can talk. He can cut all these good promos. He can hype you all up. But, you know, when it comes to the ring work, could he walk the walk? Could he back that shit up? Um, in the biggest match of his career. And the work that he did in NWA, TNA, whatever work he did before then, this was the big leagues. This was WWE. This was his biggest match out there. And against Roman Reigns in, in well, Saudi Arabia's WrestleMania, I think LA Knight really held his own. LA Knight did well for himself. He and Roman looked like they, like, they had really good chemistry. Like, I don't know if it was surprising to some people, but I thought they did, they did it really well. Both of them did really well. They told a good story until the ending, of course, with all the bloodline shenanigans. But Roman made LA Knight look like a million bucks. And LA Knight, LA Knight did it, had a lot of his offense hit very cleanly. It looked very crisp. Um, there were times where I worried about um, LA Knight's some of his moves, though. But nonetheless, LA Knight, even defeat, I thought he looked good. He looked strong coming out of this uh, this loss to Roman. The finish, you know, for as much as we criticize it, I think it protects him. I think it does it does not make him weak. I wouldn't say at all, but it's on WWE to like recoup some some of that momentum that LA LA Knight may have lost in this match versus Roman. So I really hope that WWE continues to keep LA Knight in some serious major programs. Like they're probably gonna have him in that men's war games match coming up. But after that, it's like I'm not sure what you do um with him until WrestleMania because where I see LA Knight at WrestleMania is that mega social media match with the new United States champion Logan Paul. And if it's not Logan Paul, maybe he's the one to dethrone Gunther for the Intercontinental title. I don't know. But I think the money match is him versus Logan Paul for that U.S. title. Be a nice crowning moment for L.A. Knight and a good reward for him, even if he didn't beat Roman. So as for Roman, you know, I mean, some people will hate me for this. I, I still like him. I still like him as the tribal chief, but... It's, it's clear that Triple H doesn't really know what to do with him at this point. <laughs> Triple H is is pretty much running Groundhog Day with Roman. I mean, Roman's still cl- cut all these good promos. He still is the top top money guy in WWE as the champion. But it's just like the problem is it's just like they're running out of material for him. And they're starting to retread a lot of crap with him. So in turn, it's becoming repetitive. It's losing its luster. They could have... I don't know if the time was right for him to drop the title to Cody, but, you know, each and every passing day, it's starting to look like that. And, you know, my opinion, it's starting to look like the luster's going bye-bye when he, he didn't, they didn't have him drop it to Jey Uso at SummerSlam. Again, even if it was just for a, a one- to two-month period, like, just... Let him drop the title and then regain it. It's like now we're just basically waiting in this holding pattern until we get to Cody back until in Philadelphia. But even then, is it a guarantee that Triple Big Nose is going to actually pull the trigger and let Cody finish his story? Or as they kept mentioning, 
are they gonna have Roman surpass Hulk Hogan's uh however long record that doesn't break until September next year? It's like they have to wake up and realize this is that for as much as Roman sells uh brings in ratings, yeah, it, I mean that's good and all that, but at the same time, you're you're starting to fatigue a lot of people um with how much Roman appears less. I don't know if that's on Roman or WWE doing that, but you're really making people start turning on him. And that's not good. You like you you have to do something by April. And if you don't take the title off him by April, I mean it pains me to say this, but you're really gonna make the whole world turn against him. Not, not everyone has turned against him, but you're gonna really make everyone turn against him if you don't take that title off of him by April, just for the sake of statistics. Like, are you really gonna have him go for Bruno San Martino's record next? The 2,800 day plus record next? In like, what, the eight year record? Come on, let's be realistic here. Just finish the story and move on. Let Roman Reigns do some other work that doesn't involve the title. Like, he can still bring in that, that aura like, come on here. So anyway, uh, that was Crown Jewel. I mean, overall, I thought it was a okay show. For I, I thought that there was a lot of like matches that could have been on Raw. Um, but it is what it is. I thought there there were a couple, there were a few select standout matches that you know kind of piqued my interest, and I thought came away liking. You know, Cena versus Solo Sokoa. Um, the the ending that saw Solo just eviscerate John Cena off the planet Earth was kind of cool. Made Solo look like a badass, and maybe the eventual uh, deep donor of the blood, the tribal chief status, not necessarily the universal title. Um, the US title match, you know, it picked up at the end. Um, kind of messy in some spots, but I still liked it. And then the main event for LA Knight. Um, he proved his worth. He definitely proved his worth um, in a big primetime spot. I just didn't like the predictability um, of the ending, it was, it was not good. It was not good, but yeah, three out of eight is it doesn't make a good show, uh, for me in my opinion. Like a good show is that you know consistency across the board, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, there could be some bad, there could be a little bit of bad, but the the bad can be outweighed by the good, and there was not a lot of good on this show to be honest with you. I mean, some of the some of you will like it, and that's all right. Um, but personally, for me. You know, I mean, honestly, I didn't expect more. Let's be honest with you. I had no expectations going in. That's that's my standards as a wrestling fan nowadays, is that you don't really expect much. You don't really expect much. So we have Survivor Series around the corner. Thanksgiving weekend. I know for me, for Veracle Lasagna, that's going to be a very busy as fuck Thanksgiving weekend. I am going to be suffering during that time, especially with content. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep it up, but I'm going to try my damnest. But for the show, uh, not for the show, but for WWE, um, there's at least some noteworthy stuff coming out of Crown Jewel. We're going to turn towards the virus series in Chicago, which is in three weeks, um, where which it may even be more noteworthy because, like, you know, going into that show, you have war games matches to set up. Um, I think they're pretty much basically locked in by this point unless they change things up. For the men's, you have like 
Judgment Day and the Super Friends, that's finally going to come to a head. Um, in my my opinion, the, the War Games matches for the men, it's pretty much going to be, you know, you have the Judgment Day and the Bloodline, unless they completely took away the Bloodline element. But if they didn't, I imagine it's going to be Finn Balor, Damian Priest, uh, Dominic, or uh, JD McDonut. Uh, not maybe Jane McDonough, uh, Jimmy Uso and Solo Dakota. Um, and then you have on the Super Friends side, Sami Zayn, uh, Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes, Jay Uso, uh, Kevin Owens, and then Seth Rollins. But if they keep it raw only, then you have Judgment Day, like the three Judgment Day members, JD McDonough, and then Drew McIntyre, and then Sami, uh, Seth Rollins, Jey Uso, uh, Cody, Sammy, Cody, Jay, Seth. I don't know who the fifth one's going to be. Maybe Ricochet, I guess. It's kind of lame, but it is what it is. And then for the women, I mean, it's pretty much obvious where they're going on the women's side. It's going to be on SmackDown. I'd say, I imagine it's going to be SmackDown exclusively. If they try to make it messy with, by cross-branding it, I don't think it'll make a lot of sense because they already have a set story in stone on SmackDown. So might as well just run it with that. So on the SmackDown side, it's basically damage control versus everybody on that roster. Uh, so for da- for team damage control, it's going to be Bailey, uh, EO Sky, um, Kyrie Sane. Um, there's going to be a key element in how Kyrie Sane stays on that team. Uh, Kyrie Sane, Alba Fire, and Isla Dawn, the UK tag team, going up against Charlotte, Bianca, Asuka, Shotzi, and either, I guess, Mia Yim would make the most sense. So she has the most experience in that match, uh, that type of the War Games match. So, yeah, f- yeah, you pretty much have your War Games matches set up there, ladies and gentlemen. So, there, I booked your show for you, Triple H. <laughs> and then some other things to keep in mind of for the next couple of weeks as we head towards Survivor Series. Um, you know, what's next for Rhea Ripley and her lackluster women's title reign now that she basically has no challengers left. So you better make a good decision on that direction, Triple H. Do you take, like I said, do you take the the man route or do you take the watch me route going to Royal Rumble season? Um, and then they have to figure out how to follow up LA Knight's very good performance, um, you know, coming off that loss. So they have to make some good plans for him. Um, and then, you know, the most important question of all, um, does a certain Chicago-made man, does a certain wrist-taped man show up in Chicago in three weeks' time at Survivor Series? The speculation, the questions are going to certainly heat up even more as we head towards Survivor Series. Now that he's on all out, is he going to go back, back home? To where, where he made his name, we will see. And does also a certain viper show up? Does does everyone let the voices in their head get even? I don't know. I can't come up with a good one. I'm tired. <laughs> but those those two men show up at Survivor Series in three weeks' time. That's something to figure out as well. But anyway, yeah, those that was your crown jewel review for 2023. And yeah, if you watch this show. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below on YouTube, a message on social media at Vericle Lasagna on X or Instagram. I'd love to start a conversation with you on any of the matches or any of the things that that happened on this past pay-per-view. Yeah, we're on the road to Survivor Series. And 
that week is going to be hell for Veracold Lasagna. You have a Niner game to, to recap and preview because the Niners are playing on Thanksgiving too. And then you have a whole week, to, uh, uh, a whole slate of games to recap and preview. It's it's going to be hell. It's going to be hell. Just trust me, ladies and gentlemen. They're like, oh, fuck me. Oh, but we'll we'll try to get through it. We'll try to get through it the best I can. We got this. We believe. I guess. Help me. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of a preview for what's to come during Thanksgiving hell on Veracold Lasagna. That's why I like to call it Thanksgiving hell on Veracold Lasagna. But stay tuned. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. But for right now, that is the end of this episode of Veracold Lasagna, episode number 168 of this icy, yet spicy sports podcast. And until next time, thank you for tuning in and keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge. Your takes on the world of sports. And until next time, peace out.